This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me here once again on this lovely Friday. I'm, as I always am, very stoked. I've got another phenomenal guest, another Canadian iconic uh, success story here, uh, who I had the privilege to meet a couple weeks ago as part of the alumni at Mohawk College where we were doing some mentoring and volunteering. So I am going to just talk a little bit about Jason Myers, who is my guest, before, as I always do, turning it over to unscripted dialogue. So Jason was born and raised in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once he finished high school, he entered into a business program at a local college. After fast-tracking, or as some would say, dropping out, he decided to enter the obvious choice of the finance world. It was after a few years working in the industry that he realized his passion of fashion design. Not that he didn't enjoy finance, but he was more interested in his personal style and helping other people create their own. He found himself following different global design houses, including Canadian designers, reading fashion magazines, and having a feeling that he really, really wanted to do this. He was at that point that he jumped. The move was to Toronto, and he entered into the fashion design program at the International Academy of Design and Technology. It was an intense program for over 18 months, but he knew he needed to learn all the technical skill sets of clothing production. His mind was always racing and creating garments that he had no idea how to build. So it was the how-to that drove Jason through school. There he graduated top of his class and right away began building a women's custom apparel clientele. That was over 10 years ago and helped him develop and launch his women's wear brand. With that brand, he grandstanded at Toronto Fashion Week a number of times, had done plenty of club, boutique, patio and gallery shows, as well as been involved in a large number of charity events and shows to raise money for causes that were close to his heart. After ranking as a finalist on Global Television's Project Runway Canada Season 2, he readjusted his brand to focus on men's custom design suits and shirts. The women's side of his business helped create a brand name and expose some of his creativity and artistry in design through elaborate handmade gown and specialty garments. Now he uses design, tailoring, and production skills to produce very high quality and fashionable suiting. He's really found his niche and calling in the fashion industry and is very proud and loves being able to wear his own brand. Working... Working with all this and being said, he truly loves creating and working with people. Every one of his clients are amazing. They're different, interesting, and more stylish once he's done with them. Every day, Jason wakes up grateful and thankful to have the life he has and to share a little piece of the fashion world with others. Jason is always committed to working together. So, Jason, how impressive is that? (laughs) That That's pretty awesome. Uh, It's it's actually uh, interesting uh, hearing it from someone else read it to me. Isn't it? It always is. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I just want to say I'm very ecstatic and very grateful to have you on my show because I clearly you're a very busy gentleman and you've got lots on the go. And uh, so I want to thank you for joining here on my host show, Carpe Diem, with the Contact Talk Radio Network. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. So what I'd like to do, Jason, as I always do with every guest, uh, no matter what it is their passion is, I always am interested in the inception of my guest journey. And for some people, they say, you know, they knew instantly what their passions were. They knew what they gravitated towards. Others, they, they fell upon it uh, as a result of certain circumstances that may have taken place in their life. So do you want to talk a little bit about the passion end of this and when this all began for you? Uh, sure. Yeah, I guess, well, I mean, like it kind of says in the bio, I, uh, grew up, born and raised in Hamilton. And when I went to school in high school, I never really thought to take design seriously. It just wasn't something that was, uh, pushed in school or, um, that I really thought could be a, uh, a business path. So, uh, like I said, I went into financial planning and that was amazing. I went through school and, uh, I really enjoyed math. So I've, so I, I kind of had to like grow up a little bit into to get into this industry. 
Mm-hmm. That makes sense, you know? Absolutely. So I kind of grew up, matured a little bit, and then I started finding my passion. It was until then when I kind of looked back. I mean, not even as a designer, but I remember uh, being young and always trying to be somewhat of even like a trendsetter in terms of style and what I wore and how I wore things. Yeah, and and you know. do you have do you have the yearbooks for testimonials? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Would never pull those out though. No, yeah, I do. And actually, it's cool. It's great to look back and then I see and I and I look back and I remember things. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember. I mean, might date me a little bit, but I remember wearing those overalls with one on the shoulder and one snapped off. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I remember that too. Wow, I forgot about that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> And so did you have fashion shows in high school? I know I did where, where I went to high school. Did you participate in anything like that? No. See, like, that's just the thing. I mean, we had uh, the school I went to, uh, we didn't really have any of those directed classes. There was, like, the only thing we had was, like, home ec. And there was, like, oh, you know, gym, uh, history, science, English, all your the regulars. But there was nothing towards the, a creative industry like that. So that was one reason I just thought, like, that's why I didn't really take it seriously. I don't know, maybe it was um, a time and a place, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was never something I really thought of, seriously. So. And did you find yourself at different stages gravitating towards uh, certain shows, fashion shows uh, on television or fashion magazines? I mean, when did this, when the switch, I mean, I know that this was outlined in your bio, but in terms for you, like, what was it that made the light bulb go on? When did you make that switch from finance to fashion design and go, okay, you know, was it a result of seeing something? Was it watching something? Was it getting clear? What was that for you? Um, yeah, I think it was just a matter of growing up and maturing a little bit. And, uh, when that happened, I was like, I was in finance and working for a few years and I thought, you know, this is good. I really enjoy like learning about money, how it works, how I can help people with that. And then even at that point, still wearing, uh, uh, you know, kind of wearing a little bit loud ties with dress shirts with cool prints on them. And like, it was always, again, something kind of going back to style and, Mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah, it was just a few years of maturing. And then actually thinking like, oh God, maybe I could, then I started like doing research. Then I started uh, realizing that maybe I really do like this and I really do enjoy it. And then I started doing, that's when I kind of really went into uh, the research of it. Like I've always used to watch like when fashion television used to air and then they used to do that on much music back in the day. Uh, like I would follow that, but then, uh, it wasn't until I grew up a few years and then I just, I think that was it. I just kind of had to mature a little bit. Fantastic. And so what, what were the stages or for how long did this um, idea of yours or this burning passion of yours before it became to it came to tangible fruition in the business sense? Like, you know, you've done school, you went to <clears throat> you went and studied this, uh, you did the 18 months of intensive training. But once you finished and completed that aspect of the journey, how long before you started getting your own business up and running and really going somewhere with that? Uh, well, that took a little while to develop as well. I mean, when I was in school, like, that's why, like, I write in my bio that, like, one of my main things was when I started doing research and started being like, oh, I really love this and I want to maybe take this seriously. Then I started doing research. Then I started following Canadian brands. Then I started following, like, big, bigger design houses. And then it was, like, starting to, I saw this passion starting to come and taking it seriously, not just, like, wearing this cool new jacket or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was going through school, it was a big thing knowing, like, I, I could, I could visualize a lot of different designs and things, but I didn't know how to do it. So that was the reason why I went to school. Now, once I started learning, getting through that really intense program, once uh, I started getting some skills and some knowledge of actual construction and pattern drafting and draping and things like that, then I kind of started experimenting with different things. And with that being said, I moved into, uh, like I was living and working in Toronto at the time and going to school and uh, some people that I, I worked with were like open to like, oh, here, make, can make this for me, make that for me. And that's kind of, or I feel like everything kind of happens for, uh, everything happens for a reason. And, uh, it's always timing is always important. Yes. Uh, but it's really kind of happened organically. Like the environment I put myself into and the drive that I went and the direction I took. And, you know, people would say like, okay, well, can you make me this now? Like, do you know how to do this? So I kind of just started making things for people and obviously charging them for, my time and, and, you know, fabric and all the rest of that stuff. And then, so, and then I sat back and looked, I was like, well, I guess I'm doing custom women's now. So I kind of like <laughs> grew right into that, right? Fantastic. So was, yeah. And it was a goal about eventually building a brand. Mm-hmm. So after I got enough, um, skills and experience under my belt, I, uh, started developing a brand. 
Mm-hmm. And that was amazing for me for a few years. I tell you, man, it's a tough gig, you know, and I always say that to younger designers or aspiring designers. It's a tough gig. I spent a lot of like time and my own money on learning the good and bad of it and learning from mm-hmm. my mistakes. And I mean, I don't have any regrets, but, uh, it's a tough gig. Well, good for you. you. Gotta be, yeah. You gotta be, you know, I always preach like anything anyone does. It always, it's always has to come from like passion and a love for whatever you're doing because then it like, obviously doesn't feel like work. And then, you know, when you're in some bad times, you can really, it's easier to be more resilient and persevere and keep moving forward because you love, you're loving what you're doing. So it doesn't really matter. And you're focused on your end goal, you know? Absolutely. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, this whole show is premised on personal empowerment and authenticity and leadership. And so although all my gifts, gifts, or sorry, guests are, are different, maybe in respects to what they do uh, vocation-wise. I mean, the passion, the burning passion is the same. The right attitude, you know, the stepping into your own greatness and living your life of abundance, that's pretty much the consensus with everyone across the board who I've been blessed to have on radio. So, you know, when I heard you talk at Mohawk and uh, you did such a great presentation, I knew automatically I wanted to have you on the show because you clearly loved what you do. And that really speaks volumes. Um, you know, the energy that you're emitting and people, whether they're into fashion or not, they're very drawn to you, obviously, because you're charismatic, you're driven, uh, you know, and who, who isn't attracted to that? So I want to, I want to just say good for you and for sticking the course and getting very clear on what it was that you felt that you were meant to do and honing it. So what I'd like to also ask you too, Jason, is how would you, how would you say that your work, your product, differentiates from anyone else in the fashion world? What makes your brand stand out? You know, I feel like as a designer, and when I started designing, I came out of school, and uh, like my graduating collection was taken very well, and uh, it was based on a – the premise was a men's tuxedo for women. And my mindset was like, okay, this is your graduating collection. And what is like the best suit a man wears? And obviously it would be the tuxedo. And we were doing women's at the time. So, uh, that was taken really well. And I made, so the design challenge I always face and is difficult, but it's, this is where the fun kind of comes in, mm-hmm. um, is trying to make things, uh, very fashionable and ready to wear and, and, um, good for the market right now, but still with an element of timelessness and to be very classic and something you can wear right now and it's super cool and then you can throw it in your closet and pull it out in a year, five years and be like, oh, this thing and put it back on and it'd be amazing still. So it's almost like a hard element of design, but when you do score that and it comes together creatively, it's like, it's just the best thing ever. Mm hmm. Well, and that takes a lot of insight and that takes a lot of, you know, the the thought process that goes into that because, you know, we know now that things are retro. Things come full circle over a period of time. But for the amount of time, the labor, the cost, the vision, everything that would be involved into any each item that you then create, uh, I can appreciate that you must be thinking that with the mindset of, okay, you know, is this, is this current and what's current now? Is this something that people are going to get longevity out of? Particularly if there's, you know, a hefty price attached to it. And I don't know, maybe your stuff is reasonable, but maybe you have clothing lines that speak to all sectors of people financially. Maybe you want to speak to that. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I think that's why I was saying, like, it's a tough gig in in Canada. I mean, it's a, it's a tough gig in general. Um, our Canadian people and government, I mean, they stand behind it, but, like, nothing in terms of grants or funds, uh, you know, given to any new designers. So it is kind of a hard gig just to get off the ground, especially in that market now, too, with, like, uh, you know, it wasn't probably, like, 10 or 20 years ago, but, like, the H&M Forever 21's big multi-million dollar mass marketed companies that do like fast fashion, right? So they can uh, mass market something that's cool. It's the uh, term is zeitgeist, which is kind of like cool right now and for not a lot of money. So when I was like going through uh, my women's wear development and making like beautiful like raw silk dresses and skirts and fully bone silk lining. So just like the cost involved in that first wow. would be a, pers- a personal cost, right? Whatever like the straight up just cost was. 
And then obviously you have to put your costing on top of that to put your points on it in order to like stay, uh, you know, as a business works, buy for oneself or another. And, uh, and that's where it can get difficult, you know, so you have to put your, and then if you're costing really high, then some people that are affording that higher cost product may want to buy a Gucci or a Marc Jacobs or, you know, so then you're kind of like, that's your competition now. So, um, you know, that was always tough, but again, it is kind of like, like I was saying, it's kind of like a development stage in terms of like me, who I am, where I want my business to go, uh, what I wanted my brand to say. And I would feel like I was very fortunate, um, to build my brand, uh, through women's wear because you can be a lot more creative and I think outside the box with that, obviously. And, uh, Project Runway Canada, I mean, it was a, it was launched on global television. It was like, you know, it's a multi-million dollar branding marketing package that I would never have been able to afford as, as a small fashion design business owner that mm-hmm. I just, so when I went on that show, you know, it was just to kind of like build myself and my brand to kind of show everyone this is kind of what I'm about. So I mean, I feel I've been very grateful and, um, been put in the right kind of direction and try to make the best of the opportunities that I've had. Absolutely. And that's a great segue because that's where I wanted to go next was, why don't you tell us a little bit about how that opportunity came to be? Did they seek you out? Do you apply? What's the competition to even make it to the level of getting on the show? And what happened throughout the show, like in terms of each challenge and, you know, uh, being allowed to stay, getting voted off. Tell us a little bit about that. That's because that's an extra level of pressure on top of what you're already doing. Well, so. Yeah, like, so someone that was working with me, um, went, applied for the first season and got on and mm-hmm. made it about halfway through. And, uh, that was working like under my brand, my labeled name brand. And, uh, that was always a scary thing too. Like I didn't apply for the first one at all because I knew it was coming out. But as a business owner, you know, going into something where one, it's, it's subjective to someone's opinion, which is, I find very difficult in a creative industry. It's not like, you know, I come from finance, so it's like one plus one equals two. But like, if I make a dress and I think this is cool and you say, no, it's not and can vote me off or whatnot, that could be, you know, harmful to my brand. So it was really difficult and, um, kind of a little nerve wracking, but I mean, I also had like, uh, you know, I'm proud of like what I do and, um, I'm very uh, proud of like the skills I've learned and everything. So, I mean, when the first one came out, it was good. I saw like the brand development of some of the young designers that I knew that were like, you know, coming from that and really getting like a catapult, a catapult. So I thought this would probably be a good thing. So when the second season came out, they, one of the producers actually called me and wanted to know if I was going to apply for it. And I so that's where I was kind of like debating the whole thing. And then I just kind of decided to make the jump to, because then I thought, you know what? And, you know, bad, even bad publicity is good publicity, right? Absolutely. So I was like, I got, I think right now I probably have nothing to lose. So I'm going to do this. <laughs> well, good for you. And so what was the competition? Like, do you actually know the numbers of how many people you were competing against for an actual spot? No, I didn't know any of that. I mean, we were kind of in the dark with that. I mean, we filmed it in Ottawa. It's a really weird situation because it's like, it, it's a reality TV show, right? So although you want to like build your brand and show your talents, it's a, it's a TV show and they're looking for ratings and drama and people <laughs> crying over sewing a dress, you know? So they were like right on us about that. I mean, it was really, it was really weird. Like what you had to realize once I remember thinking like the first day, so we flew into Ottawa and I got picked up by this person that held like a sign up and said, I knew that like my previous phone calls before going to the show, there's going to be a person, they're going to have this name up, you go with them and they're going to take you to the next location. And then you're pretty much like they own you at that point Mm -hmm. for the time, for the period of time until they tell you to get lost. (laughs) And Um, what is that period of time? Like for people, because this show goes to 145 countries and this is why I'm asking questions that I know the answers to, but just if you want to speak as if nobody listening does. So how many hours would go into production and how much of it was live and how much of it do you feel for what you were caught on tape with, you know, from an emotional standpoint, uh, from, you know, being under the gun with what you had to produce in a short period of time before the cameras, um, you know, how much do you feel looking back on it that was d- depicted and taped really caught the essence of who you were under pressure 
you know, doing what you love to do? You know, did you look back on it and go, oh, my God, but that's not what was going on. Never mind what was on my face at the yeah, time. Yeah, 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 of course. That's just like post, post-production post editing, right? And, like, when the show aired, oh, I didn't have any idea what the, what the what that episode was going to look like until everybody else did. So we weren't, like, involved in anything uh, along that line. So, like, sometimes you're right. We'd be, like, I'd be watching the show as it aired on global television and like something would happen and they'd show like someone's stank face somewhere and be like, what? And it was like, that was, that wasn't even the same day. That wasn't even the same location. But I mean, that's, that's production, television, and editing, right? So, right. um, what was it? I think, uh, so I was a finalist and then so it was the top three, Jessica and, uh, Sunny and I, and we, uh, once you end up a finalist, they send you back home and then we are producing collections for the fall, for the next fashion week in Toronto. So to make it to that point, it was about a month, mm-hmm. a month or just under a month. And then uh, I think it's pretty interesting for everybody to know that um, when you'd watch like an episode from like week to week, like, oh, it's a new day, it's a new whatever. We were actually working like they work as like 12 to 14 hours a day. I mean, obviously, like with whatever breaks you want to take and like they always had like food and whatever around. But they were really trying. I think they were really trying to get you to a little bit of exhaustion. So people get a little silly. Your emotions come out. And again, it makes for better TV. You know, there was even times where like we'd finish a, we'd, we'd finish an episode or a challenge, whatever, do the runway that you say like, okay, and so and so is, you know, you're cut or whatever. And, uh, they, a couple times they made us bring a change of clothes. They'd make us change clothes still in the, in the design studio we were at. <laughs> and then they would film it like it's the next day. And we're like bags under our eyes and like all greasy from working all day, you know, cause they're under the gun for that. And they're like, okay. And then, you know, and then that's the next step. That's the beginning of the next episode, which looks like, oh, it's a week later. These guys must be well rested. And we're like, oh my God, I can't believe we're like still <laughs> sitting here or awake. You know, so it was was intense. It was really intense. But like I said, I was excited about it. And what I want to do is go on and build my brand. You know, you asked me earlier about like my design and what makes my design different from other people and designers. And, uh, you know, it's just, I'm in full support of any other Canadian designers or any other designers in general. I think it's an art, you know, Mm -hmm. I I appreciate art and I appreciate creativity, you know, so I, so I'm always behind people, especially Canadians, because I know how it is. So mm-hmm. like, you know, we'd go into, uh, into, on the show, we'd go into, uh, like interview sessions and the producer would be sitting there say, you know, sit here, look in the camera, answering the, que- answer the questions on the camera, I'm gonna send you the questions. So we'd have to start kind of with opening, you know, like, oh, well, when I was doing this, we explain it and then answer it. And then like, you know, he'd say like, well, what do you think about so-and-so's piece? And mm-hmm. I would just kind of look to the side and I'd, yeah, it's fine, that's great. And they said, okay, well, they said this about you. So do you have anything to say back? And they were trying to position us against each other. So uh-huh. my whole goal was to go on and show my artistry and show my creativity and build my brand, but show like, I'm not, I'm just a guy enjoying fashion. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to, I'm not against anybody. I'm, I'm support other designers. So, so right. I hope I came across like that. Cause I just like, cause there was some cattiness that was going on. I was like, this is just ridiculous. It's just, they're just trying to make you do this. Uh-huh. So I tried to see that. And and who among your peers who were also, you know, in season two, did you feel that you had gelled with, whether it be somebody you already knew because you crossed paths with or somebody who you developed a different kind of rapport with as a result of the show and sharing that unique experience in common? I mean, was there somebody's work that really resonated with you or you thought, oh, wow, like this, you know, this person's quite stellar themselves? And perhaps you thought that about all of them. I'm not sure. There was a couple like really good ones. I mean, I didn't know anyone going in. I didn't know any of those designers. Funny enough, I knew like a few, like uh, probably three or four of them on the first season. And then when I went to the second one, I was kind of like, I had no idea who anyone was. Um, and I was there participating, which was interesting. Um, but we came together on the show uh, because we all realized we're all kind of in this together. Although it is a competition, we're mm-hmm. like... We were like, uh, the producers, we couldn't, like, we'd be filming something out, and like, it's television, so they're like, hey, walk across the bridge. Okay, walk back. Okay, walk across the bridge again. Okay, walk <laughs> back. Okay, you get the shot, you get the shot. Okay, so it was like a lot of this television stuff that we were just like, kind of like sheep being herded around places, right? Like, people would walk by, and we were somewhere out in public, and like, producers would walk over, or like, the PAs would walk around and be like, oh, you can't talk to them, they're filming right now. We weren't like, there was no, uh, we weren't allowed to talk to anyone outside of the actual people that were in this filming production. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And like no TV, no radio, no newspapers for the time that you're there. It's like, you're in this machine. It was really weird and scary and interesting and kind of fun because like, I've never experienced anything like that before or again. So 
so, I mean, I think we were all in it together. And from uh, once it finished, I mean, I kind of have a little bit of a relationship with some of the designers, but nothing really close. I think it was all kind of like we were there for each other while we were there and then see you later when we're gone. Um, mm-hmm. But I was like, Sonny, that one, I was always really impressed with his his, his stuff. And I believe that like getting into like the closer, uh, nearing the end, we'd kind of watch what each other were doing and we'd, uh, you know, like praise each other when it's like, oh, dude, that's sick. Oh, you know, like, oh, crap, you got this one. Or he'd come up to me like, oh, shit, that's awesome. You got this one. You know, and uh-huh. that was really cool. And his technical skills, like I could see, were like impeccable. Excellent. Someone that says like he doesn't go to school, and I'm like, how did you learn this? Like, oh, my mom taught me how to sew when I was like one or something like that. Wow. Very impressive. <laughs> but he was awesome. He was cool. And so the panel of judges, how many were there? And which one, you know, if you want to compare it for, because most people are very familiar worldwide with uh you know, the X Factor and all those different shows and Simon Cowell and stuff. So was there one person on the panel who kind of took on that demeanor where you might have felt a little bit intimidated or there was one person who you never quite knew where you stood? Yeah, you know what? I don't know, again, for, like, TV, if they were playing a part two. Like, you just don't know. And, like, it was just, uh like, you're asking me these questions, and I, I appreciate them. And it, to be quite honest, I'm kind of trying to think back of like the experience and how it was like one thing I remember about paneling and about sitting there getting judged uh, was how long and awkward. And I remember like, because it's in the, in the filming studio, they had these like massive heat lights like that had to keep it really bright and mm-hmm. it just took a long time to film. So like, it would be like these awkward periods where you have to like stand there and look in awkwardly into a judge's eye and, <laughs> which is weird, man. Which is weird. These are weird. This is. I'm getting weird feelings. You ask me questions like this because of things I haven't thought of in years. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, the way you were describing the, you know, the, the the aspect of going across the bridge. Okay, walk back over now. Okay, don't talk to these people. Sounds a little bit like jury duty. <laughs> you know, you can't you can't plug into TV. You can't talk to people outside of the show and the network. Um, but I'm sure because it was all premised on something that you absolutely love, and what a great way to, you know. Uh, gain further exposure for your brand and extra opportunities and tips from, you know, people who might be considered fashion gurus in the business. I mean, what an invaluable experience for you. Oh, it was amazing. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, all these little things, like things that this is like, that we went through, but I mean, it was all definitely worth it. Like I said, uh, I said close to the top of the show was like, it was, uh, first of all, it was invaluable. And it was something that when I thought about, okay, I got nothing to lose. Anything bad is even good. I got to go on. I'm proud of what I do. You know, I think I got a shot. I think I do some pretty good work. And again, it was like prime time global television. So like, it's not something like I can't call it global and be like, Hey, can I have Wednesdays at eight o'clock? <laughs> you know, like, so, so for those reasons, and unfortunately they didn't do a season three. Uh, I mean, the American ones up to like 17 or something crazy like that. Or That is but, crazy. You know, and it's uh unfortunate, like the same thing happened with Canadian Idol, which I think was like a, one of the top rated shows, but, um, you know, unfortunately, sometimes Canadian television doesn't get the budgets that they need to in order to expose some of the talent and shows right. that are here, you know? Right. Yeah, unfortunately, you're very right. It's, it's sadly true. But, um, you know, which, again, speaks to what you said about yourself, the, the resiliency factor, because, I mean, a lot of people, especially in this type of industry, you know, whether you're an author, a writer, uh, you know, somebody who does fashion design, I mean, there's a lot of things working against you that will daily test you, you know, to yeah. the degree, you know, how invested are you, how committed are you, you know, are you the first person who flies at the sight of, like, a challenge or a failure or a setback, and so the fact that, you know, we don't have the budgets and we don't necessarily have the same kind a buy-in demographically as perhaps in the States and abroad, um, you know, good for you for staying the course so that we could still be here to have this awesome conversation with somebody who's obviously, you know, very talented. So good for you. Um, awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you. You know, and you going back to even like, you keep saying like passion and love for it, which I, which I, I guess I, as Canadians, that's what we'll just, that's what we'll do it on. We'll do it on passion and love. Yes. <laughs> but, I, you know, for, I would just want to say like, for instance, like, like last week, Last week it was, I went to, uh, so for the past couple of years, I go, I, I get brought into Earl Hag High School in North York, Toronto, and they have a, it's like an art school, but based, uh, more or less on the arts and dance, mm-hmm. and, uh, it's amazing, and amazing kids, and every year they have like this installation, little show, exhibit, and, 
and everyone that wants to be involved in it, well, I guess they have to like go through a panel to get accepted in order to make clothes and make these like fashion exhibits for this. So I go in there as a designer to give them like technical skills because I saw their work before and I was like, do these kids even have like fashion classes or anything? They're like, no, they're, they're, this is things that like they, their hobbies, they like to do, you know, and I, and I really enjoy that. I see like this like young passion and fire in these, in these younger, younger kids that are, it's just amazing. Like this day and age and coming out, I'm like, what grade are you? Grade nine, 10? Like mm-hmm. they're making like gar- full garments. It's unbelievable. So Crazy. I'm excited to see like where the Canadian fashion industry, especially specifically with our own talent and artists, where that's going to go because I think we're in for some big things and like I get blown away and I'm like well, how old are you what who taught you to do this <laughs> and they're like I just don't know how to do this so I help them on the technical side but I'm just like blown away and they really enjoy me coming in but I'm like thank you guys for having me because you guys are all awesome and they inspire me and and I and I like think like all the school systems and everything and they're doing so much so many more things and opening up to like even you know aesthetics styling hairstyling fashion design like you know not like home ec where you learn how to bake cookies and sew a pillow it's just amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> I remember the pillow. That's right? So- I know. The damn pillow. I'm like, and, I, and at that time, I'm in high school. I'm like, I'm not taking home. I'm not sewing, bro. I'm not going to hide. I'm not oh. going to hide. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, different strengths, different skills. I mean, I did awful in home ec. It was, it was definitely not my thing. I was like, obviously gravitating towards the Englishes and stuff. So, you know, but, but you brought back a bit of a flashback. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, um, well, you know, you hit upon something else too when you talk about those students. I mean, mentorship is so important, you know, um, especially when sometimes the school system is maybe just starting to catch on to the fact that a lot of the talent or a lot of people who are garnering an income or the fact that more people nowadays are going entrepreneurial, self-employed, um, you know, it, it's really important to hone these different skill sets that, that people have. And so when you think back to your beginning days, when you got exceptionally clear about the fact that, okay, it's not finance. Yeah, I learned some great things. And I mean, of course, that's always an asset for running a business. Um, but in terms of the fashion end of things and knowing that that's exactly what you wanted to do, um, who did you seek out as mentors? Did you have people that you looked to, whether it was people who were tangibly in your life or just people that you read about, people that you watched on TV or researched their backgrounds? I mean, who who mentored you? So, um, two people that come to mind is, uh, Sean from Bustle Clothing, Sean Houston, who, uh, was actually one of the judges on Project Runway. Mm-hmm. And the reason why, I mean, we're now friends, um, but the reason why I really looked up to him is because him and his, uh, wife, I believe both of them were or are lawyers. And they gave that up to become fashion designers and build a menswear brand. And I was wow. like, so it was kind of like a direct relation to kind of what I was like, okay, so I'm not just the only crazy one, you know, <laughs> which was cool. Um, so, so I didn't get a lot of mentoring from him, but, uh, but I got a lot of information by doing my research because I was passionate about it. So I kind of like found my own information about their story, about how they did it, about how they found passion, how they made that jump, made that leap and kind of didn't look back. So I was like, all right, you know, it makes you feel good when someone's else in the same boat as you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one who's still a awesome Canadian style icon and designer icon was, is, is David Dixon. And he is, has always just been amazing and was one of my, fa- and is one of my favorite Canadian designers. And, uh, when I was kind of, I think, I actually don't remember if it was before or after the show, but when I was like doing my women's wear brand, there was like some questions and for the same reasons, like I wanted to see like, you know, he was kind of going into his 10th year at the time. It was probably, it was a few years back. And, uh, he sat down with me. I just sent him a random email. This is me. He's like, oh yeah, I know. We kind of like knew each other from crossing paths at like fashion week and things like that. And it was just so grateful and so open and like anything you want to know, let me know. And when we, when I left, any questions you have, like anything, and he was just a great guy. And I was like, oh, that's, that's amazing. And I feel like I, that's how I want to base my business and my personality, my legacy, especially now having a little daughter, you know, Mm -hmm. it's about like helping and giving back and like doing, you know, helping yourself, but helping yourself by helping others. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. He was just amazing to me. And I always try and do that. You know, that's why I try and. And work as much as I can with uh, different charities, whether it's like raising money or like doing fashion shows for them, for them to raise money for something. You know, we're part of the community in downtown Toronto here in Regent Park, which is, uh, you know, an awesome, awesome community. That's big developments going on right now and have mm-hmm. been for the last few years and has about another five to ten years. So it's just, 
no, no, we're put on, God put us here on a, for a purpose, you know, put us here to help, I believe, help others. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm focused on. Everything else yeah. kind of seems to fall into play, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so because this is unscripted and because my mind races like yours, I've got two questions and I'm hoping that I don't lose them. So I'm going to stay focused with my first one. Um, so something that I find very interesting, and I'm sure this has resonated with a lot of people who also would find this interesting. You know, you see the correlation between people, like let's say they're famous musicians or whatnot, um, or they're TV celebrity. And... Um, based on the branding of their name, which could be completely unrelated to fashion design, but all of a sudden you see these people coming up with their own uh, clothing apparel, their own line. And uh, do you know much about that in terms of, because these people, that's not their thing. Like, they're not fashion designers. Uh, you know, it's not what they do or what they're recognized for. So, uh, you know... Like celebrities? You're saying like celebrities, musicians? Yeah, like that, yeah. Like, how does that make you feel to know that? Because obviously they've got the the monies to support that. And then when you've got the monies, you can do pretty much whatever you want. I understand that. But for somebody like yourself, who's really, truly, inherently, intrinsically passionate about this, and, you know, you look at the sacrifices that you make, and you look at the ups and the downs and the struggles, and, you know, how does it make you feel? Like, do you feel that there's a level of kind of... um lack of integrity or a disrespect attached to it being just looked upon as an industry because people can bank it? Oh, you know, that's a tough one because, okay, so to start, I think it was, and weirdly enough, you just asked me this question. I think it was earlier this morning or yesterday, yesterday afternoon or something. I just saw a post on Facebook that it said uh, celebrities, including Kanye West and Rihanna, uh, and I think they're sitting with... um, I'm not sure. Anyways, uh, they're taking over like New York Fashion Week and New York fashion designers that are technically trained and skilled uh, are finding it hard to compete with them. Right. So I didn't actually even open the article, but like my mind started racing on that too, right? Like right away. Because yeah, right. Someone goes to school, whoever, and they become amazing and they come out and that, that's the challenge. And that's, that's the challenge I've found. But I mean, with sitting back and looking at it from the outside, I mean, you know, the... Rihanna and Kanye and all the rest of them, they worked really hard to get where they are. And they did it in one avenue. And that, and again, it's still artistry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for the reason why I went to school, it's kind of like learn how to do it because my mind was racing with ideas and creations and different designs and collections. And, but I was like, I have no idea. So, I mean, probably at that point, if I had a whack of cash behind me, I would just go somewhere and be like, Hey, make this stuff for me. <laughs> and I'll tell you what to make, you know? So, I mean, I look at this as a business as well. And that's why organically now my clothing line has changed uh, focus from women's into men's custom suits and shirts. And that happened organically, kind of by accident. I was doing women's wear. And a couple of my guy friends were like, dude, like, seriously, make us some suits. And I was like, well, okay, I will if you're serious. It's going to cost this much money. And they're like, yeah, no problem. So I did. And then a couple more people, their friends, you know, you made those suits from, can you make us suits? And then I just started getting really busy making suits. And this is probably almost, well, I don't know, four or five years ago now. And then mm-hmm. I started, then I, then I started realizing, okay, this is something I can, I'm getting into a really awesome market and a really warm market based on referrals. So now I need to make more of a business out of it. So I went out and sourced out like a really great manufacturer. So my, my idea now as a business owner is I stick to what I want to do is stick to what I'm really good at would be the vision, the design, the picking the fabrics, the tailored measurements everything I've honed my skills in. But the sitting down there and cutting and sewing and making the actual patterns, I know how to do it. I know what needs to be done. But I don't have the time to do that. I'm trying to build a business. So for these musicians and anyone coming in with a with a reputable name that sells clothing, I don't think it would be stupid not to. And I, I But I can see from a designer standpoint as someone like young and not known being like, screw them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's a business. And the whole world revolves around money and business, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can't look down. I'm like, you know, it's kind of like a shake your arm, like, damn it. Was, uh, you know, damn, what are you really going to do? Good for that. Right. right. Yeah. Well, that's a good answer. And, and I, you know, that's very humble of you to say that. And, um, but I just thought it was a question worth asking based on the fact that, you know, you are somebody who puts your blood, sweat and tears into your brand. And we know that other people who, as a result of gaining success in other avenues, 
maybe not anything at all related to fashion design, but because they can bankroll it. And it's, as you say, it's another stream of income. It's another aspect of business, getting your name out there and further endorsing yourself. I get that too, but I, I just thought it was worth asking given, you know, that yeah, you, yeah. you do it at the grassroots level, you know? Well, I appreciate that question. I actually uh, enjoyed explaining that because I think, it, I think uh, people like different, you know, a lot of different people have different opinions on it. But I mean, right. I think I, and maybe that's maybe my business background coming into play a little bit. Like I'm, I'm here as a designer and an artist, but I mean now, mm-hmm. I mean, now I have a little family at home. We live downtown Toronto, you know, things aren't cheap down here. So I got to provide, I got to start like, you know, I got to start, my focus is now building and developing a bigger business. So, mm-hmm. and with that being said, like I have longer term goals to be like, once this is like really hitting a point where it's, you know, making a crap of boatloads of money. Then mm-hmm. I would like to uh, maybe invest or look in other different avenues or different business opportunities or real estate development. Like the, the list goes on of like things you can do when you have the money. So I mean, if you different passions can come from that as well. So I mean, uh, looking Absolutely. at it from a business standpoint, I, I mean, you know, like I said, it's a big arm shake, like crap, like they don't know. But I mean, mm-hmm. they're they're artists as well, and they're they see visions and they see opportunities. So okay. Yeah. Well, it's like saying, Jason, we'd like you to do the halftime Super Bowl intermission. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know sure. I mean? I'm like, how much? Yeah, sure. I'll sing, dance, whatever you want. Yep, sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sure. Dance like this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But um, the other question, and I'm glad my brain held on to it, that I wanted to ask you because I had two questions running simultaneously in my brain. Um, so going back to your bio, you mentioned that you like to do fundraising events and things for causes that are near and dear to your heart. So do you want to talk a little bit about what those causes might be and why they're near and dear to your heart? Well, I mean, I think, first of all, I really try and help locally. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. I mean, I think uh, globally, I mean, there's we have big problems globally and locally, so I try and do things uh, a little bit of kind of both. So, I mean, I've done shows in the past for, um, like breast cancer. Uh, mm-hmm. we've done, uh, save the children and that was uh, a global project. Um, and one now that's really near and dear to my heart that I've been really focusing on is a uh, second harvest, which is, uh, based here in Toronto. And what they do is, uh, feed homeless and feed the needy. And, uh, when they start running numbers at you, like they're like, Oh, Hey, would you like to, you know, I got referred to a, um, a good, really good friend of mine to see if I wanted to be involved in this event. And then someone called me from there and we, just a while ago and we started like, you know, they started running the numbers of like what the need is and how, what, like what we can do with like a dollar from like so many people, how many mouths that can feed over the course of blah, blah, blah. And it's like hard not to be like, if you have a heart, it's hard not to be involved when you hear mm-hmm. the need and, and the need that's out there. And you know that you're physically capable of making a change and making a difference. It's amazing. So for Second Harvest, they have, I can't remember the exact name of the event. It's going to run, like, I mean, we're doing little things throughout the whole year that I'm involved in, but I'm donating one of my top-end suits, which is uh, retail cost of 2500 to $3,000 for a custom two-piece suit, which is my high end of suiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, just throwing that out there. Um, Lovely. Yeah, but uh, so I'm donating one, and we're going to raffle it off and all the uh, all that proceeds. I mean, it's going to be, a, I think it's a... I think it's an auction, so I don't know if it's going to be, it could run more than that, which I'm hoping. And mm-hmm. then all those proceeds are going to go to Second Harvest and their development and feeding everyone. In. Awesome. Good for yeah. you, Jason. Excellent. That's, I love hearing that stuff. Thanks. So, um, I want to also, you know, when people look at kind of the forerunner of any industry, whether it be fashion, whether it be music, a lot of people look to the UK. Um, so do you find that you derive a lot of inspiration from designers in the UK or Italy or, you know, European countries or, uh, or do you try to deviate from that so as to make things as unique as possible from a Canadian standpoint, a Canadian perspective, a Jason perspective, or do you amalgamate some of that? It's definitely amalgamated. So I think that, uh, like the UK, I think it's big heavy on really fashion forward street style. And that's more or less maybe across Europe too, like, uh, different places like Barcelona, I think is big. Vietnam's supposed to be super cool. But the UK, I feel is, a uh, really forwarding street style. And then where I look to inspiration on really beautiful couture stuff would be houses in, uh, Paris, Italy. Um, now with that being said, being a Toronto based Canadian designer, it is definitely a 
big, huge melting pot of what you have to put together. Because, like, when I came out of school, I thought, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I know how to do everything now. I'm going to be huge. I'm going to be amazing. <laughs> Boom. I made this. Like, check that out. Look at what I just did. Bam. And, like, okay. People are like, yeah, great job. Okay, now what? So then I started mm-hmm. realizing, like, okay, shit. This is first going to be a process. And second, it has to be it has to be marketable to who you're selling it to. Mm-hmm. So like I can't go out and make things too edgy. Like that, you know, like even right now with suiting, they say like you know high, a more high waisted pant without wearing a belt for men is kind of like the thing coming through like the UK and through Europe, and it'll come here, you know, in maybe a year, two years, mm-hmm. you know. So I mean, for myself, I can be I'm fashion fashion conscious, so I can be a little bit more forerunning with that being a mm-hmm. designer. But for a lot of people and a lot of men and women, it depending on who they are, what they are, where they where they go what clothing they need to wear, how they want to brand themselves, what look they want to look. So it's all about being conscious of building a business and developing style for your market, but mm-hmm. still being able to give all those things of being like being creative and being fashion forward. So that's where I kind of go back to like that whole essence of like trying to be timeless and classic, but still being f- fashion relevant mm-hmm. and fashion forward, which it really doesn't really make sense. But if you can kind of get that, play then it will work in this market as a cool piece absolutely okay good stuff um so given that fashion is your industry you know for anybody and we all have off days you know like when you just want to lounge or you think okay i'm just going to run out to the supermarket and you know you don't necessarily put as much stock into how you would normally doll yourself up if you had work engagement or, you know, meeting casually with a friend for coffee or whatnot. You know, do you ever get, give yourself permission to just have an off day? And and what is an off day for you in terms of loungewear or not worried about whether you're all put together or or do you not even go there? Like if that you just that's not even possible for you. <laughs> no, oh my God. Oh, no, no. Um, I'm, uh, you know, I, I almost I kind of consider myself somewhat of a, ch- a chameleon when it comes to dressing and and fashion and what my style and look is. And the reason for that being is because I'm very conscious of where I'm going, what I'm doing, and I'm happy to dress accordingly. Mm-hmm. So like on like weekends or whatever, if I'm going out, but you know, with buddies or like going like, you know, we play hockey outdoor here in the, on the weekends. And so, you know, it's all dressed for, for the occasion. You know, when I talk about like dressing for success and I uh, give those talks, it's all about like, knowing your environment, knowing your audience, make a phone call and find out. Like, don't just be like, you know, business casual doesn't mean uh, ripped jeans and a, and a wrinkly t-shirt business. You know, right. so it's all, that's very important to me. And it's very, I believe intelligent. And when I like, when I spoke at Mohawk, I was like pretty floored to the, knowing the fact that like all those people were there were actually, you know, had to, had to sign up, had to pay for a ticket and are conscious of that. And I think that's amazing because mm-hmm. like whether you're not creative or are, but you want to like develop yourself in any business, you don't even have to be a business owner, but in your career development, that's very important. And that's like a key thing. Like, you know, 77, I don't know, 70 or 75% of everything um, that builds yourself as a brand comes before you even open your mouth. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's kind of mind blowing, you know, and for people to really be conscious of that. So, I mean, you know, if I'm just going out to whatever the grocery store, whatever, I mean, I got cool street, like street clothes to wear, you know, longer t-shirts, long, whatever, some cool Air Max kicks, like, you know, and comfortable, <laughs> you know, that's what I do. But then if I'm, you know, then I'm going out for, you know, dinner, then it's dress appropriate. If I'm going in for, you know, during the day when I'm running business and I'm going in for my suit appointments, then I dress, you know, I'm fully suited up. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, one rule of thumb for like anyone, if they have any ideas, always try, you should normally dress at least one step up. And if you layer things on like a, like a full on suit and I go to an event and I see like no one's wearing a tie or jackets, well, then I take my tie and jacket off. Right. But if, but if I show up there in a polo shirt and they're all wearing three piece suits, then I look like an idiot. You know? So I think, <laughs> right? But right, you look right. like that guy that's not prepared, that's not serious, that's not, you know, that, right. that doesn't, isn't taking this serious or didn't do his homework on what this and, and professionally, I mean, everybody is their own brand. And if you don't, you know, you have, that's, you're your own brand. So you're mm-hmm. your own business of your own brand. I think that's really important. So that's what I focus on. So whether it's dress up, dress down. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And so is your daughter like the best dressed little girl in Toronto these days or what's happening there? Don't, just please don't ask me if I'm going to start a children's line now. Oh, you have a daughter? Are you going to start making clothes for her children? Well, there's no, an idea. No. Um, yeah, she, she's pretty cool. We, uh, we do some cool shopping for her. You know, I mean, we do a lot of like little vintage stores around the place too because 
And the, the thing is, like, I can't believe, you know, she's three and a half years old, brings, like, so much joy to my life. But where did the last three and a half years go? And everything she wears, you know, as anyone with kids know, they wear something once and then it's either spilt something on it or it's too small. So. Right. Very true. Yeah. Very yeah, true. She, but she's pretty stylish. I'm not going to lie. She's pretty stylish. We're happy. We're proud of her. Oh, well, I don't doubt that. Don't doubt that. But, um, so given that we don't have much time here before we have to wrap up, it always goes way too quickly for my liking. But, um, you know, outside of your website, uh, which, you know, if you want to mention that again, if you want to mention your website, but, uh, where else can people find you? Like, are you in fashion magazines or do you have, uh, an address, a business or where people can come and buy your suits? Um, where can people find you, Jason? So I'm, uh, alright, so, uh, my website is, uh, jasonmyers.net and mm-hmm. I am located, uh, downtown Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a focus now on custom suits and shirts. So I am mobile, so I travel pretty much, my clientele is like nor- north of here and all the way pretty much around to Grimsby. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I also have a LinkedIn profile. I believe that's just like, I mean, it's by my name. So anything Jason Myers, M-E-Y-E-R-S, uh, with LinkedIn, I focus on Instagram and I'm also on Twitter, um, and Facebook, obviously. So, uh, I use kind of all those avenues, but I'm a, I'm a custom guy. I'm building a really strong business. Um, uh, my, uh, just for pricing, if anybody's wondering is cut my custom shirts start at 175 and up and my two piece custom suits start at 1150 and they range to about 2000 or 2500 3000 fantastic yeah do you, do you do find yourself sometimes dressed in wedding parties like grooms and like do you I do, do. That? i have like some packages i always put packages together whether it's a group party a group party for weddings or i also do corporate deals if like anyone out there with offices uh, uh, i put together packages for that as well i mean for groomsmen i think is brilliant uh because uh you know a suit rental is you know a couple hundred bucks anyways uh mm-hmm. but but with uh, with what I do is amazing. So everything's full custom. Like we can do a one custom design look in a great fabric. All my fabrics are from across Europe, and uh, then we then you could pick like for instance a really different cool lining, which I have like books of linings to look through. So it can kind of give everybody their own in uh, individualism with having the same kind of look on the outside, which is pretty cool. Excellent. So with only probably about three and a half minutes to wrap up here, is there any words of wisdom you wish to impart, anything passion-related that you would want to forward along to our listeners, regardless of whether they're in fashion design industry, but just anything in general that you've learned that you'd want other people to know going forward with whatever they wish to endeavor to do? I I just think it's, you know, I kind of go by the golden rule, treat others like you want to be treated and, you know, find your passion so, so work isn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, and help, help out wherever you are. This is, this goes in a lot of countries. Help out wherever you are in your community, you know? But, yeah, I get a lot, I get a lot more satisfaction from that and I feel like doing good things in turn brings good things. So I get a lot of satisfaction out of that, yeah. Well, good for you, Jason, and, and I'm really grateful for the fact that we had the opportunity to meet at the college, and I yeah, hope that our, our paths continue to cross, and I know that you're doing great things out there, not just in the fashion world for people and making people feel more self-confident, more self-assured with whatever they're getting dressed up for, but um, just going back to the fundraising aspect and charities and, and everything that you're doing. So I just want to say thank you. The world you know, needs more people like you and your kind of heart and your kind of ambition and uh, mentor. So thank you for taking the time to join us here at the Contact Talk Radio Network. And for my listening audience, I just want to say thanks again for tuning in to my weekly show, uh, Carpe Diem. I'm your host, Lisa McDonald. If you have any show topic ideas or you wish to appear as a guest on my show, you can kindly reach me at my website, which is lisamcdonald.com author.com mcdonald is spelled m-c-d-o-n-a-l-d or i can also be reached at lisa mcdonald 13 at gmail.com but anyway i just want to say in wrapping up i hope this finds everybody well safe enjoy your weekend jason love to you and your family and thank you for everything and uh we'll be back here next friday take care everybody love and gratitude bye-bye you've been listening to carpe diem with your host lisa mcdonald for more information, please go to Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.